Hey, this is Daniel. This is not Pat. <laughs> and this is Y2K Movies, a podcast about the films of the 21st century. And this week we have 1408, a man who specializes in debunking paranormal occurrences, checks into the fabled room 1408 in the Dolphin Hotel. Soon after settling in, he confronts genuine terror. And I'm going to go ahead and just say this, is I actually agree with that whole fucking statement. You don't? You don't feel like it's uh he specializes in debunking. Oh, he goes and he plays with the little tools and Yeah. And he doesn't see anything. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Right, so sure. Specializes. Yeah, right. However, the biggest point about that uh, little synopsis, if you will, uh, provided from IMDB <laughs> uh, the terror part. This movie is actually something that has held up over the years and still gives me, like, chills every time. Yeah. Yeah, so. I would agree. I mean, it's it's aged a little bit. Naturally, it's... Right. What, 15 years old now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's but. getting there. Yeah, it came out in 2007. As you guys know, I'm, or I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, uh, 1408, it's a uh, Stephen King film. It was directed by Mikkel uh, Hofstrom. <laughs> And it was written by Matt Greenberg, Scott Alexander, and Larry Karazowitzki. And it stars some hometown heroes of Pato, John Cusack, uh, family-friendly man Sam Jackson, <laughs> and Mary McCormick. And anytime I hear that, I just literally think of Kenny. <laughs> but, Kenny McCormick. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, uh, Colton, you came to, uh, well, one... Colton, uh, one of my best friends, he lives in New York, just came back down to visit for a little bit. So I was like, hey, man, come over, watch a movie with me. And that's what we did. And it seems like we didn't really have any movie in mind. I kept naming a lot of shitty movies. Glad it wasn't one. Yeah. And then uh, we just kind of settled on 1408. One, because it's a solid film. Two, I haven't seen it in years. And three, I think you were just ready to watch the damn movie. So, <laughs> yeah, which is fine. But yeah, um, tell me about like maybe the history with 1408 with you. Like, I'm sure you saw it probably around 2007, if not a couple years before or after. <laughs> yeah, no, it was actually a few years after. Like, yeah. I wanted to watch it, never got around to it. I want to say I saw it finally in like maybe 2012, 2013. Really? Yeah, I was pretty late to it. That is late, but damn. Always enjoyed it. Always yeah. thought it was a pretty solid movie. Definitely one of the better Stephen King adaptations. Right. Yeah. No, this one's always been pretty close to the uh, heart for me. Actually, it kind of ties in with The Mist a lot because mm -hmm. they both came out the same time, actually. Yeah, I think. the same time. I thought the double feature, Blu-ray, that's the first time I saw both of them. So yeah. actually, yeah, it was 2013, 2014. Damn. Yeah. Both both great films, and we've already actually done an episode on The Mist. That is our boy Pato's favorite horror movie. That's what he says it is. He really? says it's just... It's just good. It's inviting, and you, you see the monsters, and you get a great ending, great and you ending. get right. So it's it is literally just a good all-in-one fun horror film that I feel like a lot of people could enjoy. So yeah. I would probably put that. I would say the Miss is definitely in my top ten. I don't know about ten, but it's definitely it's up there. Twenty-five maybe. Yeah, I mean I respect it. I just like the goofy stuff too, but the Lovecraftian involvement is also, you know having just that nice Stephen King touch, just like 1408 does. But uh, both short stories, too. 1408 was a, uh, a short story that actually started when Stephen King was trying to write his 
basically, it's it's a writing book, but it's basically an autobiography. Because, mm. you know, Stephen King has that. Yeah, he inserts which, himself into a lot. Right, we talked about that a lot during the film while mm-hmm. I wasn't shutting up. <laughs> <laughs> at, I least was, we, at least we've both already seen the movie. So right, right. I mean, that's kind of why I was talking through it, because I know we've already seen it, and I was high, and obviously you're in town, so like I'm just wanting to talk anyways. Yeah, but, like, good. yeah. The, um... I think it is funny, though, how, like, his movies are just him. His books are him. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, they write these characters that are that they that they want to be. But Stephen King writes his characters where they want to be him. And uh, I kind of like it. <laughs> I mean, you know, alcoholic writers, you know. Makes sense. Yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> it's awesome. And, that, and he has a little, a little uh, son that's doing the same thing. Yeah. A little nepa, what is it? Nepotism. Uh, nepotism there. <laughs> yeah. So that's always fun. But yeah, uh, 1408 I saw actually in 2007, which you know, as everybody on this podcast knows, that the summer of 2007 was like my year of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we've talked about yep, that. Yep. That is, uh, so this was really big for me. And like I said, it it is something that um, I've never been tired of. I have literally, I have watched this movie a lot of times actually like I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've watched it uh, the the DVD that we watched today isn't my first DVD of 1408 you ran through it I ran through it I actually had one disc that had widescreen on one side and full screen on the other mm-hmm. I fucked both sides up damn yeah well I was a kid it's a cherished movie for you no it really is which is crazy because um, I think about it all the time but I never like watch it and I am really happy that I watched it today because I feel like it's going to stick with me. And it has the story. I feel like is just I don't know. It, it touches me in a different way now, you know, being a father yeah. in that kind of sense. But like it also just I don't know. I enjoy I enjoy I still enjoy Stephen King movies, and like they may not be as good as they 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 were back in the day. I can't even say that. I was about to say. What a straight face. But, like, this one, to me, is a, one of the higher quality uh, horror of the genre for him. Yeah, take out... Right, I'm taking out... Yeah, the dramas, mile, right? Yeah. Let's take out the dramas. As far as horror goes, yeah. Uh, I think the best one is it. Like, the... Chapter one of... Yeah, chapter, chapter yeah. one. Chapter not, one. Not the one from the 90s. But, not um, the TV show? Yeah, not the not the miniseries. But, yeah, it, chapter one. I, I think that's the best. And then I'd probably say The Mist and then 1408. Okay. I'd really, have to... I, I really like Thinner. Never watched it. Okay, I really liked that one. That one was a good one. Um, good. I liked Creepshow. Like, I feel like there's still, like, a lot that I'd have to go through. Yeah. But as quality-wise, though... Quality-wise, uh, I stand by what I said. Right. If we're going to say quality, It Chapter 1 was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, 1408 is fantastic. The Mist is fantastic. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of I can see that I would have to go through I'd have to go through pretty hard to find. Creepshow was done really well too, and yeah, the Creepshow was actually done really well. And it was like goofy and it was fun. And I mean, do you ever watch Creepshow? So it was George A. Romero and Stephen King that yeah. came together to make that, which is also really fun because in 1408, John Cusack's character don't even remember. Uh, can't remember his name. Mike. Mike was that? Yeah, Mike. Uh, and he had that. Ansel. Yeah, that name. Um, he says, "Stay scared." George A. Romero used to say that. 
Huh. And that's why Stephen King put that in there. I didn't know that. Yep, for him. Sure. Just a little, 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 nod. little nugget little here little and nod there. Yeah, but um, which, you know, we all miss George A. Romero. Yeah, absolutely. So I do wish that he got to finish the zombie stuff that he was really wanting to get into. But, you know, it's, it's doing good. We actually talked about uh, a zo- one of his films the other day. I said Day of the, Day Dead, of the Dead was probably one of my, my favorite of that trilogy. I mean, that's that's actually that's that's pretty common. Yeah, that is a it's, more it, common it's a answer. Stupid movie. Let's be honest. It is. I just like I think the character development in it is a little bit more complex. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit more intertwined. And I also there's there's love triangles that I feel like people don't really notice. Mm-hmm. And we all know George A. Romero has he is he was progressive as they got back then. What yeah. he did in the film, I mean, they were intentional whether the actor knew or not. Yeah. So there was, I would definitely say, and I and I actually saw this on Joe Bob Briggs' uh, last drive-in that I watched on Shutter, and they played that movie, and they kind of brought that up, and I was just like, you know, I was actually thinking that the first time I watched it. I was like, whoa, that's really interesting. And whenever he said that, I was like, oh, but except I thought it was with a different person, mm-hmm. but... Clearly, it could go multiple ways. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the movie enough to comment, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's good. I need, watch, I need to watch. I need to watch the original Dawn of the Dead again. That's good. Yeah, but out of the new ones, though, Dawn of the Dead is my favorite. Out of the new, uh, the remakes that he did. Yeah. Yeah, that one was fun. Oh, was Eli Roth in it. He didn't direct it. Oh, I he did. I don't think he did. I'm fact checking. No, you might. I, I thought George A. Romero uh, redid all of them. Mm-mm. Damn, Eli Roth. That was his movie. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, pretty sure he made it before Hostel. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome if he did. Or not Eli Roth, Zack Snyder. Fuck, you're right. Yeah, that's Zack, Zack Snyder. Snyder. Yeah, yeah wow. sorry, that Zack was, Snyder. He made that. He made that before for, Watchmen. Watchmen. That's what yep. It was. Yep. Yeah, that's a Zack Snyder film. Zack and that's Snyder. so stupid Zack that Snyder. I even said that. But George A. Romero was a hand-on, uh, pro- he was a very hands-on producer. Yeah. Kind of like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. So he was there. Because, yeah, I actually just talked to somebody about Dawn of the Dead 2, and I was like, wasn't that one of like Zack Snyder's like, movies? And they were like, holy shit, it was. Yeah. yeah I feel really stupid that that just happened. I feel stupid I said Eli Roth. <laughs> well, that's why I was like, what? That doesn't seem like He doesn't his. make good movies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I I enjoyed Hostel. I enjoyed Hostel. Other than that, you I can't know, really think of anything that I liked from him. You know, in Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. Adam Sandler was supposed to be Fair Jew. Huh. That would have been interesting. I want you to think. Adam about Sandler's this. really good in dramas, so. though. I want you to think about this. Him as Bear Jew, okay? Mm-hmm. Adam Sandler. That name during that time. I want you to think about the role that Bear Jew was supposed to play in that movie, though. Having that name attached to that role, and you see what Eli did. He was like he he was big because the way that he portrayed him at the beginning with the Nazi. Yeah. But like he was gone the rest of the whole movie until he killed Hitler with the other guy. Yeah. Think about that. Think it would have been a bigger role. I know for sure. Yeah. And I heard I've heard that Quentin Tarantino's tried to work with Adam Sandler before. Really? But yeah. Uh, the role he had to turn down that for. Funny people. <laughs> Never watched Funny People. Uh, it's okay. Hurts. It's long. It's just too. Actually. It's just drug out. It's yeah. just like it's a. It's one of those. It's a, like a dramedy. 
yeah. and it's just like a hardcore dramedy, and he does great in it. But like, I think he thought that was going to be maybe his like a shining moment for him, mm-hmm. where he like can still be the funny guy, but it's emotional. Yeah, and yeah, I don't think it. That's I that just don't think it, it happened. Yeah, yeah it was. You had a young, I think Seth Rogen in it. Yeah, like, Seth Rogen. yeah. So, but getting back to fourteen oh eight. Yeah, a little <laughs> tangent there. Yeah, I mean it happens. That's that's what's good about talking on Y two K. We the tangents we get on are usually ninety five percent of the time always about other movies. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, so it just kind of loops back. But fourteen oh eight. So this watch I've only seen it like five times. Okay. Right. I think this might have been my favorite. Yeah. Even though we were distracted, mm-hmm. but I just really appreciated John Cusack. I he's hilarious. He is. It's just like those little dry humor moments. I love that. And he and he kept that way. Yeah. And at the end, even when he's like talking about like, uh, we won't be rattled and like all that stuff, he literally did that through the whole film. Yeah, he had some emotional things, but whenever it was time to like off himself or anything like that, he said, No, fuck you. Yeah. He said, No, I'm not done. I will keep going, going through this emotional roller coaster, but I'm gonna do it. And I even love it when the door fucking pops out of nowhere. Which I do want to talk about that in a second, but like, and he fucking goes up to it and he knocks and he fucking like slicks his hair back and just goes, open Open it. (laughs) I was like, dude, he just fucking bitch slapped whatever this entity is. He just fucking told, he said, open it. He was just done with it. And I was like, whoo. Anyways, with the door. So obviously, well, well, real quick, what do you think this room is? Like, do you think this is, like, a different dimension kind of thing? Do you think it's, like, a purgatory? Like, what kind of supernatural... Obviously supernatural, but, like, where are we going with it? Is it a mental thing? Is it more like a drug where he was just more there, but everything was in his head? And then at the end of it, he does... Everything that happens at the end did happen kind of deal? Well, that I guess that, that throws it out because the ending, the yeah. daughter, is in the tape. But, like... So yeah, actually no. So that can't be it. So I guess. So I guess it was real. Yeah. Because the, well, the not tape. All of it. I mean, it couldn't be. But right. Right. I'm not sure. I mean, it kind of seems overlooking to me. Like you don't really know why the hotel is evil. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. It which just, it's a building that's evil. I think the room is. Yeah. Just cursed. And I know no. you want to get to the thirteens. Well, no, okay, so I was actually going to say with the, with their, 1408 is basically like if Stephen King made a Shining Part 2, but condensed it a lot. Yeah. And there are so many Shining references in this movie with all the 13s, and then also with the axe that the firefighter breaks into, that's actually the same axe that Jack Nicholson used in The Shining. The whole hotel thing. The Shining. Obviously. Um, The, uh... Uh, the first person that died, Nancy, or with a G, or like Nart. The Oswald dude? It was the dude. Yeah, the first one that, the first death, mm-hmm. uh, was a character's name in the show. Oh, yeah, they mentioned, uh, Grady. Grady, that's Grady. it. Yeah, 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 great. So, um, but yeah, so there's like, there's definitely connections with 1408, which, uh, you know, Stephen King apparently has had the King verse. Mm-hmm. For a long time. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to say in this past decade, people are just catching up to that. But if you ever read, you don't even have to read that many books to kind of realize. Actually, if you just read one franchise of his, and that's uh, Dark Tower. the Dark Tower stories, uh, you realize fairly quickly that, oh, these are all completely connected. Mm-hmm. This is why he keeps using these same 
cities that he makes up or real ones, um, which is also very Lovecraftian too. Yeah. Uh, which Stephen King takes a lot of influence from him. As he should. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Writing not too good, but the story's fantastic. The writing's a little hard because he wants to write it in like old English. And overly descriptive while also being almost abstract with it. You mean like Stephen King? Yeah. <laughs> I've never been more disgusted and confused in my life by reading it or fucking <laughs> the Tommy Knockers or like there's a couple of them. But it's like, oh God. And it's like, wait, what? Just, wait, how did. What? Yeah, they have a thing where they're so descriptive it gets confusing. Yeah, you're like, points. wait, you're like, is that he... just... And then it becomes a Cronenberg. <laughs> and then you just got fucking Cronenberg people <laughs> walking around. You're like, oh yeah, he looks like this, but this and this. And he's like, wait, he has six feet? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not that crazy. But uh, actually, Stephen King, I just got a novel from him. Or his new latest novel, I think it's called Holly. Um, another reoccurring character... And the If It Bleeds series, the Mr. Mercedes, that that whole, this franchise that he's been really big on lately. I would say for like the last 10, maybe even a little longer, he's been crossing almost every novel with each other. And it's all from, uh, just from characters. And a couple of them are like uh, sequels, mm-hmm. but... I don't know, he's been getting a little bit more in depth. It seems like that's been going around in a lot of media. And to have. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And then I didn't even think about that. But yeah, because even like TV shows, uh, like cartoons and stuff, they're becoming even more like timeline-ish mm-hmm. and like previous. Uh, there's consequences now. There consequences through like everything now. So, Which I don't mind. Like it does kind of make it a little bit more intriguing. But I also just kind of, like I like Futurama. Like they, they don't do that. They still do their own thing. Mm-hmm. So have you watched any of those? The new ones? Yeah. No. They're pretty good. They're very meta. I do appreciate meta. They fucking know exactly what's going on, exactly what they're doing, exactly who they are. And it's I almost feel like it's a slap in the face to like just everybody. So is it worth coming back? Yeah, I like it. I've liked it a lot. That's good. How much did you like the last season? Honestly, don't know if I watched it. Oh, okay. Futurama, I never like just watched through. Right. It's just... It was on. It's a a little like the later seasons, which is fine because, you know, continuity anyways. Like, they were already in that style, so they just kept the momentum going. Mm -hmm. Uh, They literally picked it up, like, the day. Like, the same event that ended the show is how it begins. I haven't seen it, but I heard it had a perfect ending. I know some people were like, why? No, it did. It really did have a perfect ending. But um, if you watch the new show and you... Feel, and you start realizing how um, rebooted and re and rewashed and redone Futurama has been, mm-hmm. and how much they talk about it, you realize that they literally like it's almost a punching bag, and and they have taken it, and now they are being the punching bag. Literally in the first episode, I lost count of how many times they talked about being rebooted and how stupid that is, and why would somebody reboot something that many times and still be still watching it and they're like I don't know these stupid idiots like they literally the audience of Futurama gets called stupid a lot in the new series and I fucking love it I'm so here for it I'll have to check it out no it's pretty good um, but yeah back to 1408 yeah. so 1408 we talked about the 13 shit right 1408 um, there was numbers inscribed on the key. Can't remember what it was, but whenever it went into the keyhole and you saw that side profile view of the key, 
turning the little things. Uh, those numbers equal 13. Obviously, the number 13 is even mentioned in the movie. Uh, the release date was like June something, something, whatever. That was all, all that equal 13. And that was all on purpose. Yeah. So, like, you know, it was on purpose. Um, but it was, it's really interesting. Maybe I should have wrote all that stuff down. 13th floor is actually the 13th floor. 10th floor, right. So you're actually at 1308, which is also kind of funny. So, in its own right. Side. Yeah. But um, what I wanted to talk about with the door is and what I asked about what you think the room is clearly there is a different uh, the the laws of physics act differently in that room reality is reality the is same. right so with the door showing up kind of like the twilight zone ish do you think that's just how we see that and that that it actually was like some portal a vortex like something like that something that we just could not comprehend mm. or like these uh the entities that are against him in the uh throughout the whole room all that kind of stuff may like do is that just like what he's making up in his own mind because he cannot actually even fathom what's really going on yeah but I don't know. It was just interesting. Mainly with the door. Because I feel like the door, just like the doors, you know, they're called the doors because you, it's it's a gateway. Mm -hmm. That's like literally it. And, um, I mean, there's been it in a couple other movies. I think one was uh, See No Evil or something like that. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I've never watched it. Okay. That one was actually themed around the doors. And it was like going through the music and like break on through through the other side. That's like actually about like breaking through the system and like, but like more of like a mental state too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just that room like with what it is. I mean, it's it's a cosmic entity. And yeah, that's really what it is. So the door. I don't know about portal. So the room had been just showing him what it wanted to, just to fuck with him. Mm -hmm. And I think for a fucking hour. Yeah. That is. No wonder everybody kills themselves. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a lot to take. That's, he, and I want you to think about this. He only endured that for an hour, then 15 minutes a little after, and then decided to light everything on fire. Yeah, he was over it. Yeah. I was like, damn. Well, like, you know, I'm going down, you're going down with me. Type. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, you see a door, you expect it to lead somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Door opens, just black. Right. There's nothing there. Yeah. So it's like. Real fake doors. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's a door, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And he knows it doesn't matter. Yeah. Even though I will say, whenever he thought he got out, man, that was fucking rough. Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. So, I like that. You know, a little fake out. It's cool. I think he went on a little too long. I do, too. That's one of my issues with the movie. Well, the I mean, he wrote a whole down. fucking book. Yeah. Like, how the fuck did he write a whole fucking book? It doesn't, yeah. Like, where, where was he? And like obviously time works differently, and maybe it was like maybe it skipped. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Maybe it like maybe when he woke up, he, he already was realize. like right, exactly. So but for the audience, I feel like it went on a little too long. Um, no, I kind of agree. I thought it was cool how you know they start smashing up the post office and, and everything's bad, and yeah. he sort of figures it out. But yeah, and that's when it, that that whole scene's intense. Because mm -hmm. then the daughter comes after that, doesn't it? She yeah. So he breaks her. The room breaks him down so much. And I also, as like an from an acting standpoint, I think John Cusack like, I mean, he was fucking solid. 
Yeah, yeah, I thought he was great. I like, really like John Cusack. I do too. We talked about before the movie, and I was telling you how he's probably one of my favorite actors. Uh, yeah, I, I really do try to watch him in almost anything he's in. Um, I just watched uh, Love and Mercy, actually, where he plays an older Brian Wilson, and that was really fucking good. So, But yeah, uh, I do feel like it, it, it did play out a little too long, and so did some of those uh, alternate endings. Yes. So there was four endings in total, mm-hmm. three obviously alternate. Um, if you guys ever watched the, the, this film, you know that it ends with uh, him salvaging through some shit that they found in the room. One's a tape recorder. He plays it. He hears his daughter's voice, but what do you know? So does his wife. So it solidifies what he went through. And it brings what people thought was in his head into reality. To me, out of all of them, that was the scariest. Because I feel like that brought, I mean, literally unknown fucking... I mean, could you imagine what you would feel... If you heard that, like, I mean, you're not only your stomach, your heart, your fucking everything just drops. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there people would pass out. Yeah. There's not really any coming back from that. You can't explain it. Right. It's going to fuck with you, especially as a parent who lost a child. Like yeah. there's no way that would be okay. Yeah. And then there was uh, basically the same ending, except he only hears it, which I, I understood and I like that. I think that one makes more sense with the context of the movie yeah. because the room is just in the room. Yeah. Right, and it might have followed him out because he was the only one who well, got out. They do pull the Hotel California on him whenever the whenever she's on the phone call saying, "If you ever leave, you never really leave." Yeah. So you never really check out, mm-hmm. which he also signs off with, "I have checked out." Yeah. So I don't know. I definitely that one though. It does fit a little bit more better with the story, and I'm I would have been okay with it because that is a that like it is a moment for him. Mm-hmm. Almost, it's like, no matter what for him, it's it was, it, right? But it was like it was real for him. Yeah, and that's enough. Yeah, and the, and also though the fact that he heard his daughter and the words that were said, he's like it's enough for him. But see, I wouldn't see it that way. I think it's I think it's a little more eerie than that yeah. because he knows it wasn't her. Right. It was the room. Right. So, so you think maybe he, he smiled? So do you think he was smiling then because? almost like more of a paranoid smile and he was looking at his wife because is this real yeah and i think that's what they were going for yeah you're probably right either that or it was just a and that's why he kept like smart ass smile where he's like well the room's still yeah well see well that's the thing man he was just he was a smart ass to the end yeah which i respect he didn't he he bent but he did not break yep so good for him um trying to think is there is there anything else in the film you wanted to talk about? The last alternate ending. The director's cut one? Yeah. With the funeral? Right. So he dies. Uh, they have a funeral. Monk and his wife. <laughs> are, are, Monk is escorting his uh, widow back to her car. And Samuel Jackson shows up. And he actually tries to pull a Danny from The Shining. Yeah. He's Danny in The Shining. More ways than I want to talk about. But he, uh, yeah, he tries to give her his belongings and stuff. And if she would have just taken it. She could have hurt her daughter. But not just that. But she would have, well, no, it's probably for the best. Because she would definitely have more uh, questions than answers. 
And I kind of liked it because, you know, he knows that something's bad with the room. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to actually get a little peek of it. Yeah. Because remember, he's been scared of for right, God yeah. knows how yeah. long. And then you finally... Uh, the ghost in the back, cheesy. It would have been better without that. Yeah, to me, that's a Stephen king Yeah. And I'm just like, that's the shit that I don't fucking want. Yeah. <laughs> like, that. that's what I don't want. And that that is why that little... Like, I was cool with the Samuel L. Jackson kind of cheesy ending because to me it's like, okay, like, it's Stephen King, like, but, you know. But, like, the ghost part at the end, that made me feel like I was watching TV show Stephen yeah, King, not like, movie Stephen other King. Other than that, I liked it. Like, I liked how, you know, we heard the girl saying daddy on the tape and then there was the girl behind him and you don't know what it is and then she goes off with her dad. And yeah. It's just, it's just a normal kid. But yeah. He was freaked out. Um, I like the sacrifice element to it. Yeah. Like, yeah, he took the room down, but he had to go down with it, mm-hmm. but it's never going to happen again. And there's only one man that really truly knows. Exactly. And that's him, Sam. Yeah. And I, I do like that. I like that aspect. And I even like that he tried to tell the fucking wife that he was like mm-hmm. going to say, but you know what? He would have sounded completely yeah, insane. Yeah, insanity. He <laughs> would have sounded insane. Yeah. But he didn't care because he's an honorable man. And he knew. Yeah, and he, he knew. knew. He knew. He just wanted to tell the truth. And he actually tried to... I. Do you think at the beginning, do you think he tried to talk him out of it, but he knew that if he was persistent, he would give him the key no matter what, though? Or do you like, or do you think it was for almost like a show to like get him in that room? Or do you think he knew that he would be the one to fuck it up? I think he was really trying to stop him, but mm-hmm. they had already pretty much told him if you don't let him stay there, you're going to get sued. So it was like, how much can you really do about it? Right. Um, do I think he was a little snarky about it? Yeah. But, no, nah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, but th- that's what's great about this movie. Because, you know, maybe today you thought this, but yesterday you thought this. Yeah. And, like, last time I watched the movie was with the director's cut, and I liked it better. And now I'm, I don't think so. Right. Kind of torn. Well, that's okay. Because that's... maybe the next time you view it, you're like, well, you know what? Maybe I want that director's cut better. That being said, though, with the original ending, I wish the wife hadn't heard the tape. Okay, so you do, you kind of wish that there was maybe a crossover. Yeah, I wish they would have. Do you wish that he would have died? Like I said, I like the sacrifice element, but I like I mean, what technically, he still sacrificed a little bit of himself, you know? No, that's, his mind? No, that's lame. But uh, I do like that he heard his daughter on the tape. Like, that's still going to torment him forever. Yeah. Um, so I, there's good things to both of them. Okay. I think the way that it ended was almost like a missed ending for me. So I think that's why I like it because it was the wow factor because it, again, it, it made him what he experienced a reality, uh, not just him, not just in his mind, mm-hmm. but like everything that he kept telling his wife when he was in the hospital, just, the, just when they were, even whenever he, uh, thought he was talking to his wife, like no matter what he through that ordeal, he kept his sanity mm-hmm. and not just that, well, now he's going to bring his wife down, but uh, but I like to also think that, that that is like an open-minded or an open-ending situation where like if King ever wanted to retouch on that and dig deeper sometime later, because usually when he does sequels, he does really good because he does it in, in the, like in a future mm-hmm. time, typically. Yeah, I like Dr. Sleep. Yeah, Dr. Sleep. Dude, I liked, I, not only did I like the movie, but the book was also really good. And I liked the age gap. And just like this one, this one could be an age gap kind of thing. And uh, he just comes back as a character, but like you kind of find out his ending. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you find out what he's been going through for the last twenty years, and 
that's the kind of shit that he does. So, yeah. you know, honestly, that already might be a thing. I have no idea. <laughs> Probably not. It may not be. But, um, Mr. King, if you're listening, which I know <laughs> you're not, uh, yeah, that would be cool. A nice little update on that. I want to know. See how John's doing. Yeah, right? Like, I want to know. Uh, what do you think about the effects? Especially, you know the budget probably wasn't that much. And you can definitely tell, especially with the alternate endings, that yeah. the, that little room that felt very large was basically a green room. <laughs> yeah. Which I actually did, I wouldn't have expected it, but I, I know where and when in the movie I can see it. Mm-hmm. But like, and those scenes make sense because it's not a lot of depth anyways. So for the death shots, at least, at least they didn't try to make that. Like they didn't try to use the green screen. Yeah, that was that for was death, except for outside shots, yeah. which that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, that you was know. that was kind of kind of bad. But yeah, but that's okay. Nothing in the film was like egregiously bad. Like, right. There's nothing where you watch it and you're like, you just shouldn't have even tried. Yeah. Some, um, I thought they were fine for yeah. the most part. I thought it was fine. Uh, the the wall cracking. I feel like I've seen that before, like in a video game. Do you did that happen? In either Resident Evil 4 or you remember the Silent Hill uh, teaser thing? PT? PT, yeah. Did that happen at all? Like the, the walls kind of crack and blood goes through it? Or do you, does that sound familiar mm, to you? No. Or any games you played? Maybe Fear? You remember Fear? Yeah, I remember Fear. Didn't happen in any Resident Evil that I can think of. Okay. I don't know why, but it felt very original, but it also felt like things copied it which was awesome because I thought that part of the scene was or movie that scene in particular I thought it was pretty cool I thought it was cool yeah I also like the I really love the the uh schooner or the the uh sooner shoot the the fucking ship oh yeah yeah, yeah. what is that called shoot a uh Shooter? Anyways, that one. I thought the that to me was probably one of my best my favorite effects of the movie yeah, was, was how cool. they made the paint. They made this artwork literally like moving and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was No, cool. yeah, I thought that looked pretty good. Yeah, it looked very clean and it uh and that whole scene too, that was a lot of a schooner. Is that what we call a schooner? Schooner. 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 It's a schooner. It doesn't matter, it's a boat. It's, it's a, just it's a, a fucking boat. boat. <laughs> it's a boat now. Either way, um, yeah, I, I liked that a lot. And I did like that scene where all the water's coming in and then, like, uh, you see it down below him. You see it sinking, and that's him. And then he goes up back to the top. Yes. Yeah, okay. I was just saying, like, I thought it was cool that they, like, there was just a lot of good uh, backdrops and, like, the the depth of the movie. Like, if there was whatever was going on during that time, at least like on a first watch or anything like that, you're not really noticing. Like I don't, I still don't really notice any mistakes. Yeah. Um, when I was on IMDb earlier, I did see that there was goofs, but I didn't even bother reading them because I didn't give a fuck. And I also didn't want to. I honestly didn't want to see them while I watched it. Yeah. I wanted to see if I could spot them first. So I'll probably look through that later, and then I'll think about it. And then next time, in like another eight years, when I watch 1408, mm-hmm. it'll uh, it'll ding, and I'll be like, oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. Um, any finishing thoughts? Nothing. I still like it. I'm glad. You know, I was worried that I wasn't going to like it anymore. But uh, Some movies are really like that, man. Yeah, and it's a shame when it happens. Uh, for me, and I and I hate that this happened, but recently for me, and I, and I really think it's because of the effects. 
Uh, but the uh, fuck, now I can't even think I of the name. Him. You can do this. No, uh, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Uh, from the people of Blackbone. Oh, uh, uh, Sinister. Sinister. The first Sinister. Really. I I think that movie. And I still do. I'm going to still stand by this because I understand that I watch movies differently than others. But, like, that movie to me is still one of the best of modern, like, horror. Mm-hmm. And science even agrees because apparently it's, it has, out of all of horror movies, it has the scare, it, it scares people the most. It gives them the highest heart rate and something else. The lawnmower scene, dude. Dude, yeah. But, um, See, that scene's still great. And most of the movie's still good. But it's kind of cheesy with some parts. In, in Black Phone, it had that too. And I think that's just a style. So that's why like when I watched Black Phone, I was like, you know what? Maybe I was being too harsh on Sinister. Or maybe that's just that guy's like so, shit. I like Black Phone more than Sinister. Not as a horror movie. Okay. I no. just saw more of a thriller. Right. Um, but I see what you're saying. Like the paranormal stuff in the Black Phone, I didn't like. Okay, yeah. I preferred it with just... I prefer the killer, yeah, and the kid, dude. If the kid, if it was literally the kid just trying to escape by himself, mm-hmm. and maybe he was going insane, just maybe talking to the phone, and yeah. then occasionally thinking he's hearing things, but maybe it's just him. Mm-hmm. I would have been okay with that. that. Been completely and different. I actually think it would have made the movie. Better. And like all the scenes where he was like trying to escape, that's when it was getting me. Yeah, because like, yeah, intense shit, dude. But or sister, the fact that Ethan Hawke wasn't on screen like at all to me yeah. that is his because non-presence was, yeah. was what was because freaking was me out too much it would, it would have lost the impact yeah but every time he came in you, he, he did was, so good he he's another one of those guys that i'm like really big with yeah, no it's great him and i like sam rockwell too oh sam rockwell's great yeah three billboards oh Fantastic. so good you know i he is the only reason why i will still watch the uh remake of poltergeist i have never watched it. I like it only really because never of him. Never saw a purpose to seeing it. I'm nope. gonna be honest with you. Be- because of him. Yeah. And I'll do it. You know me. If I like an actor enough, I'll go support their shitty movies. Sure. You know, we all do that. We all do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we yeah, go I for those lows. Like and yeah, and, and Sam Rockwell really is a guy. I really do like him. He's really good. Yeah. Like in Moon. Oh, oh, that was something I wanted to touch on about 1408. I just reminded myself, it's hard to make a movie work with one actor, unless. The writing and the acting yeah. is just spot on. And they did it. They did that very and well. 1408 is a movie that I'm sure some uh, COVID filmmakers probably looked into. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it basically does have that. There is a couple scenes where there is a lot of extras, yeah, though. but a good chunk of the movie is, yeah. is him just kind of going insane. Mm-hmm. Talking to himself, talking to his recorder. Yeah, they made it flow. They made it work. And they got like, they had a big enough room too, they did. where they they could where he was change it. Moving. Yeah. But so I think that I think that helped with the flow. Yeah. Because if it was too small, kind of like in Glorious, uh, which is another cosmic horror, and that's on Shutter. Uh, he's in a bathroom stall, mm-hmm. and a cosmic elder like God is talking to him. He's like in the stall next to him. It's at this like, uh, park bathroom. Gross. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny and and all this other shit. But like overall, the movie was just it was a goofy B movie. Yeah. But I enjoyed it, you mm-hmm. know, and it was fun. And I'm not gonna lie to you, the real main reason why there's two main reasons why I watched it. The biggest one is because J.K. Simmons is the voice of the cosmic oh, elder god. That's perfect. Number two, 
you attach Lovecraft on it. Yeah. Okay. So I want you to think with that movie, I want you to think pretty B film today's style. So like maybe an asylum film like Sharknado. Gross. CGI was better though. Okay. And there was only need for there was only need for it for one time because he reveals himself. Gotcha. But and even then, it's nothing big. Yeah. But um, other than that, yeah, actually, that movie was pretty good. If you if you could get by the silliness, you know, and also see that it is a COVID film, Mm -hmm. and and you really go for the J.K. Simmons shit, you'll fucking be a fan. So and you have my Shutter account. I do. Yeah. So you can always go in there. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely check it out. And actually, this the same director who we will be, uh, I don't know if it'll be before this episode or after this episode, uh, but I'm doing an episode for the Elevator Game, which is the direct the same director. So and I already watched it and it was uh, I mean I enjoyed it. It was fine. It, but again, it's like it's almost like watching a sci-fi movie like from the Sci-Fi Channel, but an older one where like. You could tell that there was a budget. There, there at least was somewhat some, some acting. Some put in. Yeah, like not not a lot, but you but know, like a yeah, little bit, right? They, well, they wanted to make the movie. You know? This is a place where these actors are going to start and eventually, hopefully, get bigger roles. Unless so, they're shit, right? Then they can which, stay there, which most are. But that's okay. That's why most of them stay there. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I like the Shutter stuff because I'm I like the indie like shit. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I know I you like do. Yeah, yeah, good. No, no, you like the arts. Yes, uh, and I like that too. I do, but like I'm gonna, I try to do both. I try to like I want my, as much as I have like my Alien or the Thing, or even you can say Nightmare on Elm Street or anything like that. I also have Roger Corman's, you know, fucking <laughs> the monster or <laughs> or like some shit like that. Like I have I have a bunch of Roger Corman films that people like Piranha. Piranha's a Roger Corman film. As great as that, the original, as great as that movie actually is, it is a B movie. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, I like some shitty ones like Dagon. Dude, that's a good one. Again, yeah. Lovecraft. Yeah, that's a so, good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Actually, I have a few Roger Corman films that I need to show you uh, so that you can write them down or something because Roger Corman and Vincent Price, huge Edgar Allan uh, Poe fans and Lovecraft fans, and they actually. And I'm a, I love Vincent Price. I, I there's something about like, like kind of like Christopher Lee. These big men, strong, but yet they can be very gentle. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Lee still had a very deep voice. But yeah. Vincent Price, he talked like Troy Palamalu. Like, <laughs> like he was this big guy and tough guy. But hi, how are you? <laughs> like, oh, you don't want to go in there. Which one is he? Vincent Price, House on Haunted Hill. Okay. Yeah. The literally, basically, in a sense, like the king of, of yeah. horror. Uh, or at the time, like he, he, uh, so, uh, him and another guy, and then obviously Roger Corman, uh, they were really big on these like gothic and cosmic horror movies, and they did a really good job. They the Dunwich Horror dude. I have this one. I'll, I'll show it to you, dude. It's, it's fucking great. Like it's actually, and it it feels like I'm playing Call of Cthulhu or something. Like, yeah. that's how good these are. Yeah. And But nobody talks about them. Nobody, like, really gets into them anymore because they're older and they're, I get it, they're probably hard to find. And if you do find them, they're probably on, like, VHS or they may not have even had a DVD release, you know? Yeah. So, like, I'm, right now, there's... Dunwich Horror did. 
It did because I have it. Okay. But well, and I think I actually have it on 4K. So it definitely had yeah. it kept coming up throughout that the years. One, that one had some. So, but yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, you guys check out 1408. It's a great movie. It crosses over a couple different uh, planes, if you will. And uh, yeah, we'll catch it next week. <laughs>